Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole. You would have uh, just listened to our shiny new sponsorship uh, ad with Vanessa House. Uh, that had all the details on it, so I'm not going to stumble through all that stuff. But I mean, as always, we appreciate Vanessa being the, the title presenting sponsor uh, of Through the Keyhole. And again, give them your business, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma business. Uh, always fantastic. Uh, for us even tonight uh if you follow them uh finesse house on twitter and stuff they're having a, a video game tournament tonight so i mean it's truly for all ages all ages being over 21 uh all, all types of maturity levels are accepted at finesse house uh but i am your host peyton guthrie joined as always with matt burden and alan kenny alan uh is at quote unquote the beach but uh <laughs> <laughs> Where's the vacation? Is this is this your vacation home? Is this your second vacation? No. Walk us walk us through walk us through the bankroll. Oh no no no! It's nothing like that. Uh, and uh, you know, just uh, taking a little time off. That's all, really. And then, um, uh, Matt, what's what do you got going on, Matt? I know you didn't get a chance to take time off because you know the, the radio waves are never silent. But I mean, right. walk us through your weekend. How's it going? Right. We we only get Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's that's the only holiday we get. Off. Um, but no, day's going fine, man. I got actually got to fill in uh, for our guy, Ryan Chapman, friend of the show. Got to fill oh, in for him. He's yeah. he's uh, on his way back from Bonnaroo. So he, big, big festival guy, our Ryan Chapman. But um, yeah, I got to fill in for him from uh, from three to six. And yeah, just had a good day, man. Yeah, I was at a, a back in Hochi town again uh, in the Broken Bow area. You guys need to go if you're not going. Uh, I, I hiked the Skyline Trail, which is all the trails put together. So I was out on a hike for five hours. I uh, got lost a couple of different times, had to, you know, pull up the all trails app and be like, oh man, we're a half a mile off the trail. We have to like climb this little incline and stuff. The watch told me I burned 2000 calories on that hike. So it was, it was a pretty good little day. Uh, <laughs> had some fun, but now we're back in it. We're back in the actual, uh, the, the content mines is uh, I, I dubbed it for, uh, for Ryan. And things have happened since we last talked, uh, mainly on the diamond. We have OU beating AM and OU beating Notre Dame to make it all the way to, and I am horrible if I say this incorrectly, to semis? Question mark. What's it called? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, a double elimination tournament, it's hard to say what's, uh, what's what exactly, right? Yeah, it, but, it'd, be, it'd be the equivalent of, of the semis for sure. Let's just call it, we're calling it semis here. Yeah. Awesome. Seth, if anyone mentions it, 
hound their ass on Twitter. Make sure they're promoting them, <laughs> uh, giving us the correct our, our due our due respects when they're talking about OU making it to the semis. With OU riding high on the winners bracket of the uh, uh, world's uh, world uh, college world series, uh, beating A and M and uh, Notre Dame, beating A and M thirteen and eight, and Notre Dame. What was that score for Notre Dame? I have it in front of me. Six two, I believe. Six to two. Uh, let's go off the top. I mean, did you guys were you guys able to dedicate some time to kind of watch these games and um and, and give it the attention that the OU deserved on this? Yeah, I I watched a lot of the A and M game, and the game plan from what, what we all talked about at the radio. My, my boss at the radio station, Randy Heights, like his number one sport is college baseball, specifically yeah. OU baseball. He loves it. Um, so he uh he was saying. A&M is basically flipped. So instead of most, most baseball teams, their, their starting pitching is their strong suit for A&M. It's their bullpen. So it, mm-hmm. that, that was kind of his game plan was like, Hey, you have to get on them early and often because their bullpen's so good that if they have a lead going into, you know, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh inning after their starter gets out, they, they kind of shut the door on you. So, Oh, you just, Oh, you did just that man put up eight runs in the first inning and, kind of didn't really look back, you know, it, the game and I think 13 to nine or something like that. So A&M was able to put some, put some on them, but OU kind of kept it just a comfortable lead all the way through after that. So uh, they followed the game plan there. And then against Notre Dame, man, I, I think it's fun too, uh, that they kind of are, they kind of go against the status quo of baseball. <laughs> like you can look at, I can't remember what inning it was, but they, the cardinal sin is like, don't make the first out of the inning at third base and don't make the last out of the inning at third base. And they did both of those things in the, in the, in that inning. Um, the third, the third out was kind of a freak play, you know, uh, Spikerman dives into third and the ball comes out of the third baseman's glove and hits the third base coach for OU. Yeah. So he's like, ow, my ribs. He can't, he can't tell, the, he can't tell uh, Spikerman to get back on the bag because the guy dropped the ball. Like, so he's like, ow, my ribs and Spikerman thinks, all right, man, I'm out. So, but the, they tag him out cause he didn't, didn't get back to the base. So he thinks he's already out. So that was kind of a fluke, but they, that's kind of them. They they stay aggressive on the base paths. They're not afraid to make mistakes while running the bases. They want to put the pressure on uh, whoever whoever it is to you. You have to make this throw and you have to make this catch to get us out. Like they put the pressure, they flip the pe- pressure back on whoever's making that throw. So, um, but no, it didn't come back to bite them. And honestly, the pitching for OU. I mean, they. I can't even tell who's hotter right now, the pitching or the hitters for OU. Honestly, it's. It's kind of they're they're all clicking, all clicking right now. Yeah, I was really impressed. Well, the pitching was the was one, but uh, I also thought defensively. I mean, oh, you came up mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, big plays there. You know, I mean, uh, especially at third base and short. Um, there was that double play when you know Notre Dame last night was kind of starting to uh, potentially threaten late in the game there. And uh, that double play just took the wind out of their sails completely where they uh, got the force at third and then through to first. Um, yeah. You know, they clearly, you know, it's, it's also kind of moved beyond the point of saying, Oh, this team's just really hot right now. I mean, they've been hot for months at this point. So, you know, they're playing really well. Um, and, you know, uh, the opportunity now to rest up, you know, rest their arms and uh, for whoever it is that they're going to end up facing on uh, Wednesday is, uh, you know, I, I think a big edge also. I mean, it's just they're they're really, really clicking right now. 
So, I mean, yeah, from, from what I watched, I mean, I, I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but I did want to make sure I, I gave these, these things to due detail and watch the, watch the, the big, big time highlights, the wheels and, and, you know, Kate stayed mm-hmm. up to base on, uh, on Twitter, making sure everything's going, keep checking the score. Every time I'd see Twitter kind of go start going crazy. And yeah, the A&M game to me, is like, okay, I mean, OU just started hitting that guy early and that was kind of all she wrote. I mean, 11 hits getting 13 off of that. Uh, but the Notre Dame game is one I, I kept a much closer eye to than the AM game because the AM, by the time I looked at it, OU was up so large. I was like, well, if they just hold on, they hold on, you know, to a certain degree. Mm. But but the Notre Dame game is one I, I, I paid attention to because I watched Notre Dame beat Tennessee. I watched them play and I was like, okay, OU and Notre Dame are kind of having a similar type of quote unquote story to a certain degree. I mean, they, they both can do the whole we're not supposed to be here thing and it's all this type of stuff as much as a, a Notre Dame and an OU team can actually say those types of things. Uh, but it seemed kind of, it seemed like Notre Dame was a step up in quality potentially just due to, you know, the, the same kind of streak they were on. And, and the game was going there, but even though no, uh, OU is still able to get 12 hits off of them and kind of touch them up and stuff. Well, if you're watching that game, I don't know if that's fully repeatable I mean, Notre Dame really made a I mean, really made a lot of mistakes <laughs> uh, to to allow o- OU to kind of run away with that, um, uh, especially early on. A and M just got hit, and I, I think that is repeatable. I think OU could just hit them again. That that seemed, but the chaos of that Notre Dame game uh, to me on both sides, but it all just kind of kept breaking OU's way to a certain degree uh, against Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know if that's there, but. I mean, who do we want to see? I mean, do you guys have a preference? You guys seem to have watched it more than I did. I mean, who who do you want to see coming out of that for this? You know, for this uh the 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 semis finals. Um, <laughs> man. So I'm sorry, Alan. Go ahead. Oh, I, I mean, I to me, it's it's kind of you know six one way, half dozen the other. I think, I think I would answer Notre Dame specifically because. Um, like Matt mentioned, it's in his bullpen that would worry me there. You know, I mean, uh, you know, a team and in the, in the postseason baseball, it seems like if a team can has like one thing that they do really, really well, better than everyone else, that always tends to favor uh, work out in their favor. I, so I would say that you'd rather see ND personally. I was, I was going to say Notre Dame as well. I mean, like Alan mentioned that bullpen from A&M is no joke. And, I mean, who knows? You mentioned stuff being repeatable. Who knows if putting up eight runs in the first inning is true is repeatable again. So uh, I would, I would also go with, with Notre Dame there. Okay. Well, maybe I, yeah, I, I'm cool being wrong. I'm, I'm the only one holding on to the West Virginia love. I get it. I, I'm okay. <laughs> but I think, okay. I think if you asked, I think if you asked OU, I mean, like I said, they've been playing great for months now. I, I think yeah. if you ask them, they'd, it doesn't matter who's who you put in front of them. They're playing so well right now that they're going to have confidence with whoever they play. And knowing that that team has to beat them twice and they only have to beat them. Once. Yeah. That's a, that's also big. Yeah. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, the team is playing super loose and super fast of all this stuff. I mean, the Notre Dame stuff to me, watching that game, I mean, they are so aggressive right now, just stealing bases, getting the first legging out tripled. I mean, they are just like on, they are putting just, if you watch the highlights over and over again, that the the announcer is saying, "Oh, the speed of OU is causing him to like speed up his process and causing that bad throw or causing that thing to be just off target." And you can tell OU is putting so much pressure uh, on these guys on the base pass, which is 
which is kind of cool to see. It almost kind of sees like it feels like a small market, like small town kind of way of playing the game. I mean, this is yeah, man- way manufacturing different than runs, softball. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is way different than OU softball, which is like, you know, dingers every single time someone steps up to the plate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, who, who's up, who, who, who's up for OU pitching wise? Who do we know who would, who's going to pitch? I don't know. I don't know if they got, if would Alan, you, you could correct me. Do you think Jake Bennett has enough rest? I mean, they pitched, he pitched against A&M and did great. Does he have enough rest? Cause they pitched. Oh, I would, I would think so. Yeah. Did they pitch, I mean, they right. pitched Sandlin against Texas. I, 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 would, I can't remember. I would think so. Yeah. I would think I'm, it, I'm I would think it'd be sure. Jake Bennett, which has been OU's like ace all year. So I, yeah. I would think Jake Bennett gets, gets the start. Yeah. At least in that first, yeah. In that first game, that's, that's where I would imagine they would go. Yeah. Yeah. Now looking at Jake Bennett's uh, player profile for the first time in my life, that is a, he's a, he's uh not what I would expect. Uh, height and weight. Uh, that is a big, that's, that's a, that's a, yeah. a rather large human being to be on the mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, it, six, yeah. yeah. That's a freight train, uh, all the way there. So, OU baseball outperforming its projections, outperforming the numbers, the hated numbers. Uh, if, if you've been paying attention to OU Twitter when it comes to anything, uh, numbers related, uh, for the baseball team, um, do we think that? Do we think I, I'll, I'll get that to a little bit? I mean, if you if you capture the full season, OU baseball is telling a Cinderella story right now. Do we think the full picture, the full season, is actually accurate to the OU baseball team, or should you just cut off the first 15, 20 games and say anything after that's the real team? Good question. I mean, the way they're playing right now, this is the heart of the season. This is when they're facing really their best competition of the year, right? So, uh, you know, theoretically. So, I mean, to me, this is the real team that we're seeing now. I'd say so, too, because not only that, if you look, it's it's, it's still crazy to me. If you look, you know, the lower third, like so-and-so is coming to bat. Uh, he's hitting this, that, and the other. And then it's freshmen. And then freshmen and then sophomore, and then freshman. Like, this is a young team, man. And, like, I think everything that I've heard, they were just kind of struggling with the way that they play. They, they're chaos. That's what they what they want to play. They want to create chaos, especially on the base pads. Like we said, they want to put all the pressure on that person to make the right throw and make the catch and get them out. Like, they want to put the pressure on them. And I think the young team, they're just trying to adapt to that style of play and – now it's working, man. So I would say that this is this is definitely the the real team. And then uh, lastly, we got to see Texas uh, lose to A and M and get <laughs> walked home. I mean, <laughs> uh, that's I mean, as a as a complete hater, I love to see it. You love love to see it. I mean, Matt, did you get a chance to watch any of that stuff? I didn't, but I did see. It was great. The up at the uh, the merchandise tents and shops up there. I'm sure you guys have seen the picture already going around where they put up a big sign. It's all eliminated teams, merchandise, 50% off. And it was like all Texas gear. (laughs) It's just great. It was a great picture. (laughs) What's the saying two and barbecue, right? Like (laughs) (laughs) head on home. Yeah. No, man. Uh, You know, it couldn't happen to a a nicer bunch of people. So we kind of buried the lead here too. Alan had a fantastic tweet. On the AM game. 
<laughs> oh, which one about um, the twelfth? The one about the twelfth man? Yeah, I just saw the twelfth yeah, man I, across the plate. That was fantastic. Twelfth <laughs> <laughs> man, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that one definitely got a lot of uh, of engagement. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I not a lot. And the funny thing is, I have a lot of uh, uh, Aggie followers, you know, and not much, not much chirping coming from their side on that one. So definitely a lot of Texas fans were were putting that back out there. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, man, it was, uh, yeah, no, it's just a fun thing to watch this this time of year. You know, like I said, you know, we we talked about how washed I am back from the. you know, last week when we were talking about the last time I was in the college world series, uh, but it is a fun event. Um, you know, even if you're not a huge baseball guy, I mean, I'm not, but, uh, you know, seeing a team kind of catch fire and, and it really, you know, the, the whole, uh, the whole structure of it is pretty fun to watch too. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, I personally like it when Alan's able to get into a little more of the fan mode. I mean, he's, <laughs> it's always fun to see, see the, see the little shit talk. I mean, <laughs> he's the most, mo- the most professional of the three of us. It's fun to see you kind of give a little jab in there. Uh, greatly, well, I mean, in Texas, they always make it easy. man. <laughs> like It's really not that hard. Man. They do. They do. I mean, uh, there, there's a, a video I, I retweeted where the guys, he's a Texas fan talking himself into this year's team and the guy's like I'm not, i can't do it we lost to tennessee he's like no but but listen <laughs> it's over and over again uh, it's very funny and at the end of it, it shows him like uh shows like practice videos and like the guy starts crying he's like we're gonna win <laughs> uh, it, it's i mean f- uh, there's not a more delusional fan base uh and we say that and texas had I don't know what they have like five national champions this year and all the, all the sports they have across. I mean, it's a great, I mean, honestly, that's great athletic prowess. OU is doing great. There are two great schools going to the sec to hopefully uh, rearrange some of the pecking order there. Uh, but anyway, moving on, uh, I, I do, I do, I've, I've become, I've become slightly a college baseball fan. I'm not, don't hold me to it. If OU keeps winning, I might be more of a baseball fan. Uh, but uh, I don't know. There's something about the metal bats and it just seems like it's a different, sport kind of like college football i can squint and see it kind of matching up unless you're a fan of like i, I don't like uh what's a really bad what's a really bad college football team my brain's melting uh if kansas. vanderbilt kansas yeah if you're fans of kansas you can easily tell oh this is not a professional sport but like oh you and stuff it alabama georgia you can kind of like see it's the same sport um you know college hoops the, the rim's 10 foot tall. I mean, it's all the same, but for some reason, college baseball uses, has different stuff, which just, it, it, for some reason in my dumb brain, it just doesn't connect the same way it does uh, everything else. Uh, but, but moving on, our great Alan Kinney has a nice piece up on Crimson and Cream Machine. You should all go check them out, listen to their podcast about the, the future of uh, OU uh, football scheduling. Uh, and we want to give it some time, give Alan some time to, to explain himself. Uh, why he thinks we should go to nine games, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but walk us through it, man. Oh well, yeah, no, I mean this was more of an exercise. It was um, arranged by uh, Dave Bartu. He runs a site called CFB Matrix. It's a, a college football analytics site, you know, on Patreon. Uh, and you know, he does a lot of. Um, he's been doing a lot of uh, kind of the legwork, looking at how schedules might play out. What what would be. Uh, you know, the future kind of scheduling for the SEC, what it might look like. Um, and, you know, 
he kind of enlisted, you know, a writer to represent every single, every school in the SEC and the future version of, you know, when it's 16 teams, he asked me to represent OU. And the idea was to submit the teams that you would want to see your school playing annually um, to, you know, give an, get an idea of how they might try to set up those annual games in a three by three, three with three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents opponents in a nine game conference schedule going forward. So, you know, I mean, I consulted with people. I threw it out on Twitter. I talked with you guys about it, uh, about who I thought that, you know, what OU I thought would, you know, want their three, you know, kind of, uh, uh, pardon me, the three permanent games to look like. And, you know, we came up with, uh, I thought a pretty fair representation. Number one being, uh, Texas. I mean, that's a given, right. That Texas is going to be, be one of your, uh, one of your preferred teams. And then, you know, after I kicked it around with people, I actually picked Florida second, which seems kind of like an odd fit. I mean, they have a tiny bit of history with the Bob Stoops connection. They played, you know, in bowl games in the past. Uh, so, but mainly I think for recruiting, I thought that a, a game in Florida every year, every other year would work. Um, third and fourth, I had Arkansas and Missouri because I felt like, you know, oh, you needs a regional rival and you can't just, load a schedule down with big with with just the best opponents too so if you're getting texas and florida every year you're getting two of the well i mean i don't know about texas but florida at least you're getting a, a heavyweight right and then uh fifth we had lsu and that was strictly i think a recruiting play right like that was kind of what we were thinking there so um but you know it ended up you know looking at kind of uh ou after you know when after everybody submitted their selections Dave went through, did, did all kind of the matching. And OU ended up, we, we ended up with Texas, obviously. That was both teams' number one choice. Uh, OU also ended up with Florida as permanent and then Mizzou as permanent. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that was a, that would be a pretty good outcome for OU. I mean, yeah, you'd like, you know, a game with Alabama every year, a game with Georgia, but those teams are going to be in high demand. They've been in the SEC forever. They have so many different rivalries they're trying to, you know, uh, kind of go up against. But, you know, OU would have ended up then, you know, you're talking about a schedule. Let me call it up here, actually. You're talking about, you know, like a nine-game schedule that would look, my goodness, I mean, tough. Just, you know, going uh, from, you know, kind of the first kind of projections here, like year one, if you're thinking about it, OU would would get, uh, you know, maybe nine game might look something like going to Auburn, hosting Missouri, playing Texas and Dallas, going to Vanderbilt, hosting Florida, going to Ole Miss, host Georgia, go to LSU, host South Carolina. So, I mean, like, you know, if home games are, you know, Mizzou, Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina, I mean, I've got to think fans would be pretty happy with that. You know, I don't know how the team would feel. I mean, that's a murderer's row there, you know. Uh, but anyway, it was just kind of – it's more kind of like a theoretical exercise for how things might shake out. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I do I do like that you're able to – you were able to can listen to my – uh very dumb reasoning as to throw, as for why you should throw LSU on that top five list. Uh, but I didn't think about it from like a, an actual AD perspective. Uh, right. Yeah. But I, I think, I think the thing that is the most interesting to me is I, I'm trying to look at this here. Um, and I think you said that too. 
like OU is just not being picked by a lot of schools, like to, to be played against, you know, it, uh, by those other writers and stuff. I would assume Texas would be a little more in demand than, uh, than OU and any, any of the sec writers I've talked to and stuff, it's almost like just a complete lack of awareness of the university of Oklahoma football program to, to a certain, <laughs> <degree. You> know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you, well, let's think about it. Okay. A, you're talking about a program that's pretty, pretty good every year, right? Consistently pretty good. So, you know, if you're putting Oklahoma in your top five, you're going to be getting a team that, you know, isn't going to be a pushover and B the recruiting territory, you're really not getting much, right. If you're, if you're showing up in Oklahoma city versus, you know, Dallas or Austin or, or, you know, in, inside the Texas state border. So I think that probably has a lot to do with it. And, oh, you doesn't have history with these schools. It's just, flat out you know i mean yeah. lsu was one of the most in-demand teams and you know even though i mean it's a it's a strong program i mean the thing is they've got long-time rivalries with you know alabama they've got you know old miss arkansas so uh it, it didn't it didn't shock me that he wasn't in in high high demand the thing that's strange to me is that like it says that four schools had ou on their list texas i understand arkansas i understand because I know there, there's always been a thing of like, if we just played them on the field, people would understand that Arkansas and OU are similar and all that type of stuff. Missouri, I get big 12, big eight, big six, big two. I mean, <laughs> tons yeah. of history there, but like why in the world would Florida have Oklahoma on its list? Like, I understand why, Oh, you would have it on its list, but why would Florida of all things? I mean, did you have a chance to maybe reach out to some of these guys and like question, you know what? I probably should have, I probably should have, I mean, like, Cause looking at, you know, I mean, you can do like this, take it this like a blue sky kind of thing and say, okay, I want to, you did play Alabama, Georgia, LSU, blah, blah, blah. But like, you also got to realize too, like, first off, you need some, you need some breathers in there. You can't just say, I want, I want these three powerhouses every year. I mean, that's not going to, that's not going to fly for anybody. And then on top of that, like, I also kind of did that with the idea that like, you know, seeing as a lot of these other teams would be in higher demand, like, you know, oh, the chances that OU would get matched up with LSU were very low. And so I, I do wonder if the Florida writer, for example, because Florida, Georgia is a given, they're going to play the cocktail yeah. party. That's, that's a given. So then, you know, of the three Florida kind of being on the, on the stronger side, they would need another kind of powerhouse team. And then one of the also rans. So you start going through who is it that Florida has a tie to that's considered a strong team. I mean, you know, not Texas A&M. You could yeah. say LSU, I guess, because they kind of had that manufactured rivalry recently. But LSU, again, is already in big demand. Uh, you know, I mean, Tennessee isn't probably a strong enough program to qualify really as being the in the upper upper side. I mean, you know, if you're going to get into Tennessee, then that's got to be one of their lower tier teams or their lower tier team. So, I mean, I think it's almost just process of elimination. Uh, so I do wonder if the Florida writer submitted that with that in mind. Yeah. Looking at it, it does seem weird that they voted for South Carolina or how it shook out and not Kentucky, but I'm assuming since mm -hmm. Kentucky beat them, like I think two years in a row, it's, <laughs> it's like, we will never play them again type of a thing. <laughs> if they can. Right. Avoid it. Yeah. Uh, well, like, yeah. And like looking at it too, like Kentucky, like they're, I have a feeling they wouldn't end up with this configuration that have been given here because those are three, three of the weaker teams, right? They're on the lower side, the second, second yes. tier. 
So, you know, you're probably, in my opinion, going to end up getting something like Georgia, Kentucky, as opposed to say Vanderbilt. Yeah. And also like for Georgia, I mean, uh, yeah, Georgia, I mean, it, this is fan base and you're, and I'm assuming that you're kind of jockeying a little bit, man, you, you guys let Georgia just get away with one. I mean, Vanderbilt, Florida, Auburn, it sounds like a big thing, but this version of Georgia should just be beating Alabama. I mean, should be beating Florida, Auburn every single year. No real issue. And then Vanderbilt's like a whatever team. <laughs> it's awesome yeah. There. I mean, the, yeah, but like, obviously Georgia, Florida's cocktail party. So, you know, and then with Auburn, you know, that's a, one of those ones where it's like, that's a, a longstanding rivalry too. Um, you know, we don't think about that in the 12 country necessarily, but I mean, for them, it's a big deal. And then like the whole idea of like looking at, looking at Florida, like if I'm going to look at it from like a fan perspective or like a program perspective. So yeah, you're getting into the, the two top, the top two talent producing States in the region. Now, and, you know, Texas, uh, and, and which OU is kind of all is obviously always in, but the last couple of years, they've kind of the, the t- there's been a talent drain of OU not landing top 25 Texas kids in the way that they had been in the past. And you'd mentioned it on with your interview with Stephen Godfrey, which is on our, our Patreon for $4. You can join us on mm. Patreon through the keyhole. Uh, you know, Texas, that, that land has been ceded to the SEC yeah. the moment AM walked in there. So this is more of a, this is kind of, you can kind of look at it as this is OU getting fully back into Texas to a certain degree. Like you can say, hey, there's no longer, there's no, no, no longer one SEC school in this region. Like you can stay close to home. You here too, you know, to a certain degree, um, you know, if LSU comes knocking and all that type of stuff, I mean, oh, you just have that card to play uh, to counter them. Uh, and obviously in Florida, oh, you want to get those Florida kids. You're able to do that. But to me, where OU is, is that you can look at how the Spurs used to look at the jazz. It's like, if we beat the jazz, we know we're a decent team. You know, it's like you get back in the day. It's like, I think Florida has enough talent on that team always to say, how we played against them is a good way of an indicator of a litmus test of who we are as a football team. Because I mean, Florida was kind of a shit show last year, and they pushed Alabama to the very, very end. I mean, that, that they yeah. pushed teams to the very end just due to the amount of talent they have on there. Um, you know, does Napier get them up and rolling and get them going the way they could go? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, uh, you know, Bill Connolly says it's not the it's it's you know it, it, it's not the what, what does he say? It's like, it's not the coach. It's not the something it's, it's the place, you know, it's the school, like what it mm-hmm. is. And they're using that to talk about Lincoln rally. It's like, Oh, you know, it's not this, you don't, he, he walking in, isn't going to change USC. USC just kind of is what USC is. And maybe Florida is just kind of what Florida is like every 10 years, they're going to pop up and be great. But other than that, it's kind of a shit show. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a fair way to put it. Uh, but yeah, the Texas schedule, I, I, mean, I like to, this this kind of stuff. I like talking about. You get Oklahoma, A and M, and Arkansas. From a Texas perspective, it just has. You have to look at that and just think it's all these little plucky bastards <laughs> <laughs> yeah. keep punching above their weight class type of a thing. Because uh, yeah, I, I bet there's a decent amount of Texas fans who would say Oklahoma, yeah, for sure. And we've already got confirmation, even if it even if it goes one seven, that OU and Texas are going to be locked in there. Joe Joseph has confirmed that so as much as he can, which I think we all, I don't think it needed confirmation. <laughs> uh, right. But I'm sure there's a certain fan base of Texas people who are like, yeah, we should play Oklahoma. 
uh, then we should play Bama because we're equals. Uh, and then we should play like Georgia. You know, <laughs> I'm sure there's a certain mindset in there. Like, yeah, we're just gonna start paying these guys and start rocking and rolling. The, the, the hubris in my brain of the average Texas fan wouldn't have been like, oh, I want uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Like, uh, it's funny you said. Like, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm betraying any confidence here. To say Texas, they their submissions. They had OU one, then A and M two, then LSU, then Arkansas, then Ole Miss. Oh wow! And Ole Miss Texas would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that that could end up working out. Uh, yeah. it, that that I wouldn't be well if they. I, you know, spoiler alert. And for all the work I put into doing this, <laughs> I feel very, I feel very confident that the SEC is going to play uh, an eight game yeah. schedule of one plus seven. I, I, I just, I just feel very confident that's the way this will end up playing out. So, you know, it's, is really all theoretical, um, you know, maybe 10 years from now or whatever, they'll do this, who knows. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So Texas, there, uh, there was a scenario where Texas ends up with, maybe with Ole Miss instead of Arkansas, just because Arkansas is also in high demand and Arkansas had Texas, let's see, or fourth on their list. So, uh, you know, it's not necessarily like uh, there might be, there might be other, other games there that uh, they'd rather schedule for the hogs. Yeah. Some of that, I don't know. Maybe it's again, it's my big 12-ness is my OU-ness hearing the words Arkansas was in high demand. Seems strange to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but they've got like, I guess, you know, AM has kind of become a thing for them, right? Like they would yeah. play that in uh they play that in, in Jerry at Jerry World, right? Uh Ole Miss, I guess that's become kind of a big rivalry. Uh, you know, let's see here. Were they I mean, well, you gotta also keep in mind that they're gonna be in high demand just based on uh, you know. Being maybe uh, some some teams might look at them as a pretty easy win. I don't know, uh, but Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas. Like, let's see here, who else wanted Arkansas? Like Missouri wanted Arkansas. Now Missouri, oh, LSU, yeah, there's, there's a tight there's yeah. a tight regionality to that. But yeah, I guess you're right. Sure. I mean, I look at Arkansas and their Sam Pittman and think I don't know if I would like want to put my hand in that hornet's nest. Um, yeah, he yeah, does seem like you. he has them moving in the right way. But yeah, I mm-hmm. guess if you look at the you know the last ten years of Arkansas football, sure, sign me up. <laughs> what do you think? Okay, so here's a quiz. Okay, what do you think A and M's five would be, and and what you're like if you had to guess, not necessarily in order, but what would their five be? Uh, LSU, uh, Texas. Maybe out of spite, they wouldn't put Texas on there. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say this dude's whoever was voting for this was was uh, in, intelligent. <laughs> now, now it's. I really hope we did put it on there. Uh, <laughs> LSU, Texas. Um, I would. Well, I know they didn't vote Oklahoma because it's all the thing, which I think is strange. Uh, LSU, Texas. Uh, I want to say Bama because there's this thing they've got going on. I mean, obviously if Saban and stuff, and they've, they've beaten them a couple of times. Um, Ole Miss and Florida. All right, Matt. Any guesses? Um, I like Peyton's. The last two I'll change. Not Florida and Ole Miss. I'll go Arkansas because you said they were in high demand. I'm gonna go Arkansas Mm. and Missouri. I I don't know. 
All right. You guys were kind of around it. Their number one was LSU. Two was Texas. I, I just find that funny. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, this is, we're, since we're an SEC team now, we, uh, you know, we, we don't value the Texas rivalry as much. Yeah. LSU, they're really our rivals now, of course. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so LSU, then Texas. They had Third, they had Mississippi State. Fourth, Arkansas. And fifth, Ole Miss. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, I just found that interesting. You would think, I think everybody probably assumes like OU and A&M would want to play each other. But like, I just don't It's get there's much enthusiasm no. for that. Like just based on what I've, I've, I've heard, you know, in part because I think that OU looks at, well, we've already got a game in Texas. And, you know, I mean. A&M, it, it, it wouldn't necessarily be redundant, right? But, I mean, at the same time, it's, it's just that whatever that whatever history they have isn't quite as spicy, obviously. Yeah, I mean, A&M's got to think. I mean, A&M's got one – they've hung one big L on OU. <laughs> and it's like, mm, yeah, we are done yeah. with it. <laughs> we are over yeah. this. Because the rest of the time, OU pretty much kind, you know, kind of just like did what they wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the OU A and M history, the short one they have, is pretty dominated by OU. You know, seventy-seven to zero. I mean, it's just like it's OU kind of ran that for a while. Um, I mean, they got John, they got the Johnny Football win in the Cotton Bowl, and it's like, all right, cool. We hope we never play again, type of a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah, A and M. If so, it's seven. So yeah, so I, I'm going to say it is seven one. I think we all I, and it's OU Texas. Who who is who's A and M's protected? Because I'm assuming they would protect LSU at Bama. No, Bam, Bam, they'll protect the Iron Bowl. It'll be Bama. Oh Auburn. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, so yes. L, L, so the protected protect there it'd be pretty easy. Yeah, I think it'd be LSU and A and M. Like, I think you get you think you get Auburn, Alabama. Uh, for Iron Bowl, I think Arkansas might end up with Mizzou, mm-hmm. or no, uh, no, no, no. Well, I don't know. Let's see here. Okay, so we've got Alabama, Auburn, Florida, and Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. LSU and A and M. Then we got the Egg Bowl, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State. You got OU, Texas, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. I believe is supposed to be considered a, a protected rivalry. So then, Man, I guess we probably get. Something like, yeah, you probably get something like Arkansas and Mizzou, and then um, South Carolina, Kentucky. Yes, South Carolina, Kentucky. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, huh? It, like really, when you really dig into it, I don't know. I, I know it's supposed to be like the most super tradition rich conference ever, or whatever. You mm-hmm. kind of start once you get through like four games, you kind of start scratching your head, like. I guess they're rivals. <laughs> I'm not yeah. quite for sure. Uh, you know, it's the same thing there. But yeah, I mean that that mm. with it being at eight games, I feel pretty confident that way too. I mean, I, I'm not as confident as Allen. Uh, Allen, uh, let's say, wink, 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 breaking news type of guy there. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, wouldn't know. I don't. Yeah. With with it eight games, I mean, OU could bring could keep Bedlam at that. I mean, if he wanted to do that at eight games, I mean, Bedlam could be something that sings on the thing. And OU has been pretty, has been pretty good at putting the feelers out to saying, "Hey, we would like to play it if OSU wants to." You know, they've been they've been playing that role of it <laughs> and kind of putting yeah. it in Oklahoma State's court, and they're doing Oklahoma State's doing the whole of, we don't know conference stuff, we got schedules, we got to wait. No, he's like, "We'll play." Let's just I mean, 
So I, mean, I think there must have been some assurances kind of early on to the eight games. It's always going to be the eight games, especially once the playoff expansion got shut down. Um, yeah, I think that's that to me is the factor I think that has me feeling very confident that uh, they're going to stay at eight games. Now, you know, things might change based on, uh, you know, kind of the playoff parameters, but until then, yeah, I think that's, I think that's what we're looking at. So, um, but uh, to go back to your point about Bedlam, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that that makes it very doable for OU. I just, you know, if they, man, I don't know if I'm, if I'm OSU, I'm pretty salty. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I see a scenario where I'm like, you know what you guys left, like we'll see you maybe in 10 years, but I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I don't know. It's good for the state. I feel like still to have that, to play that game. And it's probably, you know, monetarily, there's probably a lot in it for us you too. So uh, yeah. I mean, so some of the projections, of it, yeah. Some of the projections yeah. were like the new big 12 deal is going to be less than the current one and stuff like that. And it, like man, OSU may just have to deal with it and and start. I don't want to be rude about it, but it's like I mean, OU could be their money game or something. You know, it's like <laughs> playing OU yeah. to help, helps fund the rest of the year type of a thing. Um, especially if you're looking at not only not keeping up but also losing ground. Um, that that's yeah. That's I mean, business. you got to have something to sell, right, for season tickets. I mean, look at OU now. I mean, that's part of one of the big big things is you know, I mean, trying to make that season ticket package, uh, you know, attractive to, uh, you know, bringing in boosters and whatnot. I mean, I, I guess if you took, if you took, if you don't, if you're not selling that OU game every other year, that might be tough. Yeah. And Oklahoma state it already isn't a strong recruiter. And then you lose annual games against Texas and, and OU. I mean, they're already being out recruited by uh, TCU, uh, you know, Pretty pretty often now. Now they're going to start losing to Baylor. Now they're going to. I mean, I think they're behind Cincinnati. They're behind, you know, BYU. Some they're already behind some of these new schools coming in. I mean, there's a chance OSU is like the leader of the pack, but I think there's also a chance. I mean, you see Mike Gundy start thinking. Well, I've coached a long time. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been in that seat for a really long time. Uh, and, and then yes, they want to improve recruiting. That might be, yeah, that might be a good idea though. If they want to improve recruiting there, right. I mean, he, that recruiting yes. is not going to be bad. So, I mean, what else do we have here? D- uh, Dylan Gabriel hosting the dime time retreat. It looked like in medicine park, uh, taking the offense out there for some relaxation, for some team building, uh, team bonding, stuff like that. Have, have either of you, uh, Matt, you're in that area. Have you have you been out to Medicine Park? What what's that like? Give me the rundown. I'm assuming you have. You have you have you have all kinds of hats of different places. We took a yeah, right. We took a, a field trip there. I believe in like my fifth grade my fifth grade year. I think we took a field trip out there. But that's that's as far as my Medicine Park knowledge goes. And isn't Medicine Park where uh, is that where Trapped in Death Cave the book is? Isn't that where it's about? I don't know. Do you guys read Trapped in Death Cave? Or was that just my school? I have no we idea not. what you just said to me. Yeah, there's a, there's a book I'm, I'm called Trapped in Death Cave that we had to read. It was a required reading in my like fifth grade, which I think is why we took that field trip, if I'm remembering <laughs> correct, to Medicine Park. I believe it was based loosely based on Medicine Park, a cave and cave down there. So I could be that could be completely false, but I think I'm remembering that correctly. According to Google, you are correct. Look so, at us. I can't remember stuff from you. I can't yeah, remember what I did last week, but 
it, 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 it dug in there <laughs> it to get there. Yeah. So, I mean, is this just some stereotypical <laughs> yada yada? The, the quarterback is bonding the team together. Uh, I mean, or, or do we think this is – like, I don't know. I don't know Dylan Gabriel's family. I don't know their stuff. Like, I remember when Caleb Williams yeah. did the whole, like, Sooner Retreat thing. They were wealthy enough to put that together. But, like, I saw the videos. It looked like it was catered. It looked like it had stuff going on. I mean, how much was this just yeah. him? Or, I mean, was there – I'm assuming there's some NIL booster relations to kind of help spur this stuff on. I mean, do we have any insight to this thing other than it looks like it was a really fun time for those guys? You know, I mean, I don't have anything insight on it. Um, I, I don't know. I'm always kind of interested, though, in how, like, these kinds of uh, locker room bonding things work or not even bonding, just how, like, the the dynamics play out, the chemistry. You know, I mean, there's a book. I can't remember the, the exact name. I, mean, I think it was called The Beckham Experience, maybe that uh grant wall wrote and it was about when david beckham joined the uh, what is la galaxy of the mls and like i mean you know obviously he was given an enormous contract far bigger you know than anybody else in that team and like the amount of like you know pocket watching that it felt like some of the players were doing you know in that case was like i mean like like landon donovan i mean it seemed like it was like an obsession for him like why is why is beckham not like taking us out to eat or why is he not doing this or why is he not doing that um you know and it, you gotta wonder especially now with you know kind of nil money coming up and coming out and it being kind of stratified there in the locker room i mean obviously quarterback is going to be your more marketable yeah. position uh, you know, it, it, I don't know if this is going to become like a kind of an expectation or whatnot. And I'm sure that Gabriel has signed some, has some NIL stuff coming in already. Um, you know, I don't know if he's more than the other guys on the team, what, but you know, it's just kind of one of those things where, where you kind of got to wonder about it. It's a lot like, you know, when you see in the NFL, the running back is buying the offense or the, and the quarterback are buying the offensive line, like Rolexes or whatever, you know, I mean, it, it, uh, this is obviously a smaller scale, but it's it's the kind of thing that you know I'm sure can't hurt, right, with his teammates. Yeah, I mean that that's the kind of thing you're you're like the quarterback is kind of somewhat expected of doing this stuff. Like I'm looking at just what Kyler Murray did. So it says in a, a looks like he just recently gave them all personalized uh, golf bags for everybody, and they, they look pretty nice. But it looks like one of the years he gave them like. Um, paintings of themselves so like come on kyler murray you're making more money yeah. <laughs> or something uh, but you, yeah. you kind of always hear that like all oh, the quarterback gave all the offensive linemen you know uh, rolexes or something like that uh that is something i didn't quite think about because we you know we there there was a lot of hemming and hawing about the oh no the the you know the 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 guard left guard's not going to make as much money as the quarterback and the, you know the running back's going to do more than that but if these guys, I mean, that happens in the NFL as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but there is kind of a, a market system that has developed within those locker rooms of, yeah, you're making more money than us, but you're taking care of us, you know, as well. Because, you know, if we're not here, you're not making that money to a cer- kind of a certain degree there. Mm-hmm. And I guess I really didn't think about it that on the, on the college level until you just brought it up and wanted to talk about it uh, from that perspective it does seem like that might be something like, and it may have already happened, but like, will, so if I'm, if I'm a five-star recruiter, four-star quarterback and NIL guys are coming after me or car lot deals are coming after me, I'm saying stuff like, 
yes, but you also have to sign my starting five or, you know, stuff like that, like yeah. kind of bring them along into those deals um, because it just makes sense. It makes, it makes the most sense, but I mean, you're not under contract. I mean, that has to be, that has to be kind of difficult for a 19 year old, 20 year old kid to kind of figure out. Cause he's, you know, the guy might transfer out. I mean, there's so much ins and outs you have to figure out. Um, yeah. You know, and like, I don't know, you know, this is all like fourth hand at this point, but I mean, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I have heard some chatter that this was an issue for OU's team last year. Like this became an issue. I don't know if I, I mean, I'm not going to go farther than that because I, it's not really my place to say, but mm-hmm. you know, like I, it could, I think it, it sounds like there was some, concern that about how that kind of affected last year's team chemistry yeah i mean even if you i mean I, I, it, it's public knowledge things have been written about it like how caleb williams would say things like you know if i were in we would win this game like it was like it was hard to be it was hard to be really competitive during practice mm-hmm. knowing i could be making those plays and then you also had on the other side of it Spencer rattler talking about being in south carolina being in south carolina saying like I'm at a place that wants me. You know, it was really difficult watching mm-hmm. a struggle, knowing if I were out there, we could be winning. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. And these guys have to have that mindset. You have, they have to have the mindset of if it's not working, it it has to be some other reason other than me, because you have to be so unhealthily confident in yourself <laughs> uh, to, to to be able to be at the top of the top of the top of the top that it probably is really, really hard to look in the mirror and say, uh, maybe I'm the one missing those throws or I'm the one missing that safety coming down. You know, it's very, so I don't know if, I don't know if, if the, if the dime time retreat is going to fix that stuff, <laughs> uh, but we're mm-hmm. hearing positive things from Dylan Gabriel, you know, Brent Venables who said has spoken glowingly about him saying how he's leading by uh, example. And he's, he's, he trusts him to do these types of things you know, to I could lead these teams under without supervision and stuff like that. I mean, it does speak volumes when someone like Brent is speaking those ways and kind of his old school mentality to a certain degree to speak, speak about a player saying like, I fully trust him to do the right thing and, and be, you know, be the leader of this team. Um, so I mean, maybe we're seeing something, maybe, I mean, I guess the hope is this OU team will be a little more than the sum of its parts uh, at the end of it. Yeah. And, now, and uh, Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, and now you can tell this is an off-season podcast. And now we're moving on <laughs> uh, to the LIV, the live, let's get lit, get live tour. Uh, very controversial. Uh, I think it's very funny that, uh, and I do not follow golf. I do not follow the live tour, especially. <laughs> uh, from my very outside perspective, it did seem like uh, Phil Mickelson took a lot of heat for this and then went out and embarrassed himself uh, uh, <laughs> uh, physically or with his ability to play golf. Uh, but OU, uh, there's a former OU player who's jumping on this tour, seems to have signed. Um, Matt, you had some, uh, some at least you knew the name right off the top. Uh, Abraham Answer? Yep, correct. Uh, I mean, what, what, how do we feel about this? I mean, do we do we know his like signing bonus and all that type of stuff? I know I know Liv was very openly about how much they've been signing people for what they've been signing them for. Right. I um I didn't see his signing bonus or anything like that. Um, 
listen, I, I, I get the appeal and I get why people hate on it. Right. I mean, it's a it's backed by the Saudi government, which, you know, does does a lot of shady, shady stuff, <laughs> um, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I won't go into detail. You guys can Google it and all that stuff. But uh, there's a lot of shady stuff. But I will say it as the natural slacker that I am, they only play three rounds instead of four. So com- mm-hmm. just comparing it to the PGA Tour, right? They, they only play three days. So you're only working three days. Um, there's no cuts. So you get paid no matter what. No matter how bad you play, you get you get paid. I think I read their first their first event that they had. Uh, dead last, you still got $120,000. You finished dead last. And no cuts. You get to play three days. Um, and then, like, it's the, the reported money that they're shelling out is just it's stupid money. Like, I mean, Dustin Johnson got like $150 million just signing bonus just to be on the tour, uh, not let alone, you know, the prize money he he'll win. And it's, I, I so I get the appeal, right? If, if you came up to me as Matt Burton and like, Hey, you get to work less, you get guaranteed money and we'll pay you 150 million up front. I I would be hard pressed to turn that down. Like I would be hard pressed. So I get the situation that these guys are in and it's kind of like the, okay, it's blood money in your pockets, but in my pockets, it's green. Like, you know, like that's kind of the, I get the, it, the sort of cognitive dissonance of it all. Like I, I get it. I get the struggling with it and all that stuff. But I mean, you've had guys like John Rom, who's the number two golfer in the world right now come out and say, no, like I, I, was going to get a ton of money to play at live golf, but I don't want, I'm worried about my legacy. Like I, I don't want to play in a tournament. That's only three rounds and there's no cuts. He was like, to me, that's not a tournament. That's, that's just casually going out and playing golf for money. He's like, I, I want to keep playing like an actual golf tournaments because of the competition of it all. So you've had guys that are, that are on both sides of it come out and uh, Rory McIlroy, like Justin Thomas have been, you know, all, all, all over the live golf, just sticking it to Greg Norman because Greg Norman mm-hmm. is proponent of the live mm-hmm. golf. So, I mean, I, I get it. I, I'm at that point where, and this isn't the first sport that the Saudis have kind of found themselves in. They were in formula one for a while and they've since been kicked out. Um, they have a ton, a ton of uh, backing in uh, professional soccer, especially in, like they got a couple of teams in the premier league, um, which is England's, a top mm. flight uh, league for for soccer i mean and everywhere else too so it's not the first professional sport that they've tried that they've you know kind of infiltrated with their you know, bags of money so i don't know I, I get the appeal and i get the reasons why people wouldn't go there but so I, I think both of them I, i'm kind of at the point like just do it do whatever you want yeah i mean I, my first thought is always if if Phil Mickelson's involved with some type of business, it's going to be shady. <laughs> like that's just the way that guy yes. is, is always rolled. So like that part of it, the fact that he would be like, you know, I mean, up front, you know, you want to sign up for this. I'm sure he has n- numerous large debts to pay off. So, it, none, you know, that part of it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, and these guys like, like Dustin Johnson again, I mean, like okay, 120 million dollars is uh, just a ludicrous sum of money. But you you start to wonder though, like 
I mean, can you do that much more with like 120 million versus the 50 you're probably going to make through your career at, you know, on the PGA? I, I don't know, but I don't, I mean, but like, we should also be like very clear about what this is. Like, this is like sports washing on the part of yes, the yes. Saudis. This is about reputation laundering and reputation management. These this, these players who are taking this money are take if if they're not aware of that, like they're being willfully ignorant at this point. So you know this isn't like the PG the PGA Tour exists so to you know hold obviously to make money, but also to hold these you know hold tournaments and and to you know set up competition. This, the entire point of this is. It's a big, it's a huge PR campaign by the Saudi government, you know, to, uh, I guess, you know, like, like I said, launder their reputation. So if you're taking the money, you're not taking the money. This isn't about golf. This is about, you know, prettying things up for the Saudi regime. So, you know, if you can live with that, I guess, but I mean, you know, let's not equivocate, you know, this isn't, this isn't the same thing as, you know, the NBA in China or whatever. I mean, this is literally this tour paying you at essentially a PR fee. So, you know, I mean, you just got to keep that in mind as we're talking, when we're talking about this kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that is usually the comparison, I guess is I'm, 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 I'm going to dive into deep in. Uh, so yeah, you can look at that and say the, an easy thing I've seen online is like, well, what about, like you just said, what about the NBA in China? You know, like that, you can say that stuff. Well, you, mm-hmm. from a free market perspective, China has a billion or something, some odd people. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of people there who will buy things, who will, you know, I mean, they're becoming more of a market society. I mean, it's like it, if you're a business and, and you can do that stuff, then sure. Yeah, you can get into there and you can figure this stuff out. Is there some, is there blood stuff on the edges of it all? 100% yes, we know that. We've seen these kind of things happen. You know, there's all stuff happening with COVID and everything, but it's like this, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore just that mass amount of people, that mass amount of manufacturing, that mass amount of everything that happens across a full spectrum of, of, of everything. Uh, Saudi Arabia is just, we have oil and they know mm-hmm. that that's not going to last forever. And so they, they developed this fund. I can't remember what what it's called, but it's called like what you said. It's like some reputation fund that they're putting. It's called it's called the public investment fund. A lot of public investment wealthy countries have these where they they essentially use it to invest their state run their state assets and other economic ventures. And so the thing is, they know eventually this you know fifty years, hundred years, hundred and fifty years, this isn't going to be what it is. Like this is all going to go belly up eventually. It's our one thing that we have will go away and we have to start investing in this stuff now. And it, to me, those are just not apples to apples in any way, shape. Or yeah. It, 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 it's weird. You know, like even F1, like you said, F1 is a dirty, dirty sport and they kick these guys out and they kick the Russians out. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if you watched it, you've watched Drop Survive, there's a little storyline there of them having to kick this Russian oligarch out. I mean, it's like, it's, yeah. it's, if F1, which literally is only made so billionaires can launder money uh, and look cool mm-hmm. doing it, uh, if they step away from it, you, you really have to look at yourself and, and just and look at that stuff. And, you know, the, you know, Premier, 
I think the Premier League, I think there's some there's some Saudi involvement in some of the teams, yeah. some ownership stakes and stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of like finger pointing and finger wagging of like, well, what about them? They're doing it. So why can't we type of stuff? And I think the moment you have to look at somebody else and say, well, hey, they're doing it. You have eroded your moral standing to 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 a very low degree if if your only excuse for it is other people's making money off of it why can't i um and what happens if this thing folds shop in two years three years you've just forever stained your quote-unquote legacy for a cash-in like you said some of these players are we're going to make 60 percent of that anyway like how much is an extra 10 million dollars to you when you've already making generational upon generational upon generational wealth right and you know i mean yeah Sorry, no, I was going to say that was that was another point John Rom made too. Is he was like, he was like, all right, I'm going to be making you know more money. He was like, but my life's not going to change. Like my lifestyle, the way I live right now. He's like, it's literally not going to change. Right, and again, you know, owning a owning an EPL team is very different than owning the EPL. Right. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like I, like you, people can choose to be supportive. If, if, you know, if, if, uh, if, if, uh, uh, you know, Saudi, if this public investment fund came up and came over and bought, you know, the Oklahoma city thunder, we could, you, if you're a fan, you can look at that and say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to support this, this team or what have you. What the Saudis are doing with this is completely is, is not, within the same realm of you know uh, it's just completely different i mean they're setting up their own league and paying these people to this isn't uh you know i mean it's it's an investment in their image more than anything else so like i just think that's to me that's the ultimate takeaway yeah i mean i I don't know abraham i don't know who he is i don't know his background i I saw some of his stuff there where it says net worth last uh, up to like 2021, it was estimated about $10 million. Uh, I saw one of the cuts he made. He had made 1.5 million by, by making top five cut. He was the ranked 20th player. So, you know, I mean, you, you he's, have to he's really he's, good. He's, really he's very good. Yeah, good. He's good. Yeah. But he's not always getting million dollar payouts. Uh, uh, not yeah. every time. See, and that so, was another thing. That's why I was kind of head scratching with the guy like Dustin Johnson, which that yeah, makes I mean, no it's, sense. it's head scratching, but then you're like, man, 150 million just to show up like uh, so i i get that but it's guys like dustin johnson the guys like like phil you mentioned the gambling debts where <laughs> they're reportedly like insane amounts of money like he was reportedly gambled like 40 million or something like that so yeah i mean just um, yeah not insane amount of money um and a guy like like we, we talked about too like ricky fowler is another guy who's on live golf now um but he's been on a like a downward spiral with his golf right. game lately too. So like with with a guy like Ricky, where you know he's not making these cuts, like he's he's fighting to like keep his PGA Tour card, like because he hasn't won a major and like mm-hmm. his his golf game is dwindling, and so he might be looking at it as like this is my last payday, like this is my last payday. I get paid no matter how bad I do, you know. And I'm I'm, a, I'm still a big name, so they're paying they're probably paying him a ton of money. Yeah, just to show up as well. So like, but for guys like up and comer, like, and, and then a guy that's like basically on top all the time with Dustin Johnson, it is a little bit strange. But money, money talks, yeah. man. 
Yeah, for yeah, Fowler, like you talked about. Like, yeah. I was listening to, I mean, I was listening to Tony Kornhauser's show, and they had Sanzi on to talk about basically that saying, I mean, Fowler's Mercedes deal's coming up. That's not going to be the same. Like it's like you like you see all these mm-hmm. commercials, all these tours. Fowler's in almost all these commercials for these promoters and stuff, and he's not even playing in the in the you know in whatever yeah. they call it in golf. They're not even playing in those in that tour game or whatever that you know that event. He's not even making the cut to play at those events, and but he's still in the in the Mercedes commercial promoting the Masters. You know all that type of stuff. I mean, you can see a career in its twilight. And I guess it kind of makes sense where it's like, this is it. I don't care. I need the the one last big hit. And then like, I can make sure the rest of my, my, you know, my, my fifth, 10th generation down the lines, good to go. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, Mickelson has this whole thing. Like I just need one more, just, I just need one more hit. And then I can, <laughs> he's got that type of vibe to him. I mean, Anything with him, and this might be controversial, or Drew Brees, I'm not listening. Like I'm just like walking away <laughs> from immediately. Like, do not listen to me. Brett Favre's on that list as well. <laughs> I mean, it's like I guess you have to put Greg Nor- for you. Get out of there. Yeah. You have to put Greg Norman on there too. What did he say about this? Like, oh, I mean, you know, you live and learn or whatever. Like, yeah, what talk about the Saudis? Like, forget that, <sighs> man. No, oh. yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I don't know. It sounds. I, I assume for a guy like Dustin Johnson, the appeal is like you were talking about the game that I don't really even have to be good at golf anymore. I don't have to practice. I can just show yeah. up here and Hey, man, spend that, more time. So long as I'm hitting my Paulina marks. Gretzky. Spend more time with Paulina Gretzky's <laughs> yeah, wife, exactly. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now Indeed. a guy like Sergio to me makes sense. He's, he seems like mm. someone who has a big time grudge against PGA. Seems like, I mean, obviously he's had a lot of bad feelings against, know tiger feeling like there's been some favoritism and all that type of stuff because again it's it's an athlete who probably can't look clearly in the mirror <laughs> you know and say the faults you have or the faults are because of you and you can see some of those players being like yeah screw the pga we're here I mean, you can see he's like hook line and sinker into this from like a disruption mindset of he feels like he's been wronged so he's able to justify it that way but even then that's so short-sighted and, and just the, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're going to, if you're going to, anytime you do something like I, I work for the Choctaw nation of Oklahoma, they pay me. I am sacrificing something of myself to be paid by them. Anytime you enter into that type of relationship, salary relationship, anything you are quote unquote sacrificing some of your own morals. I mean, if you're alignment, if you don't align with that vision, 100% perfectly, you know, you are somewhat betraying who you are as a person that way. It's up to you to find places of employment, in my opinion, that kind of feel like feel good to you and you can feel good about it unless you're like in dire straits. And I, I totally uh, represent that. But some of these dudes, uh, I, they, if this if this house of cards falls around them, they're just going to get zero pity from me. Well put. Uh, so last off, uh, I saw on Twitter today, uh, French's Twitter, uh, uh, the, the, the condiment brand tweeted out to their Canadian uh, consumers that they are now offering ketchup flavored popsicles uh, it seems like it's the real deal uh both of your faces are just, seem to be disgusted by this but i really wanted to talk about this uh would you eat this is a ketchup popsicle made of real tomatoes looks like it's looks like it's straight up frozen ketchup would you eat it matt burton no absolutely not next, okay wow next crazy next. okay alan would you eat the ketchup popsicle by french's 
I need that Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson bag to eat that, man. That <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, oh uh, that's insane. Okay. So uh, to, for me, uh, I put some salt on it and I'm good to go. Like, I'm, I'm not only eating it, I am enjoying it. Uh, 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 we'll go a little story time. Uh, poor southeastern Oklahoma. Again, I've said that multiple times. Uh, Davis Dunkelberger is probably drunk now with, with the shot game. Uh, poor southeastern Oklahoma child, Peyton Guthrie. One of my quote unquote treats was getting a plate, just a plate, one of those old, like, you know, it's got the little designs on the edges, putting some ketchup on the plate, putting salt on it, and then mixing it up. And that was like one of my like treats as a child. Uh, it, it is a, a poor kid warmth of my soul to think about eating salt and ketchup uh, same thing with like ramen like to me i know people who are like i'll never eat ramen again in my life and i'm just like it make it, it centers my soul <laughs> so i'm all on board on the ketchup popsicles uh it seems i'm the only one uh who lived under certain uh. socioeconomic standards so uh <laughs> hey bro uh, I, i'll still eat me. ramen i'll still eat ramen to this day man it's still yeah yeah, still yeah, ramen, push. ramen, I'm fine, ramen, I'm fine with, but a ketchup popsicle is just no. Nah, huh? And uh, and then finally, <laughs> uh, another one, uh, the Jello shot seemed to be the main uh, driving successful factor of uh, the World Series of a uh, uh, college baseball. Um, A and M and Arkansas, I mean, sorry, Ole Miss and Arkansas are truly running away with this. I just saw online that a guy from Arkansas spent uh forty five hundred dollars to get on top of the uh, Jello shot uh, leaderboard. Uh, do you, where are you going with, what's your, what's your flavor, Matt, for jello shots? I don't know, man. I just go like, uh, I'll keep it simple with like a fruit punch, maybe fruit an punch. orange flavor. I, I don't mind an orange flavored one, but, uh, yeah, Arkansas, you say running away with it. Yes. They're running, they're stumbling away with it. <laughs> Alan, what's your flavor of jello? Yeah. We're getting deep into this. I, 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 I guess I, I, probably lean to orange but like you have enough jello shots and it doesn't really matter what the flavor is after a while right that's like that's true uh so yeah i mean i'd lean orange and it should surprise no one that arkansas would be running away with this i mean you know that's just i mean you know uh, a fan base full of lunatics you know i think spencer hall described <laughs> them actually is as what as lunatic as Arkansas and the craziest fans, that it's a it's a state full of lunatics who happen to enjoy football like as a side hobby, you know. Like that surprises me not in the least. Uh, I'm going as a top with uh, a watermelon, uh, basic white girl, or a key lime. I think that's a I think that's a nice mm-hmm. little punch, mm-hmm. like a little kick there. And then uh that will be uh cut with the Everclear. I I go past vodka. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just go for it, right? So now you understand that I will consume garbage and trash to sustain my body. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone ever sees me in public, uh, just feed me the worst thing you can possibly find on the menu, uh, and I'm there for it. <laughs> uh, but that's been Peyton's corner of uh, horrible food takes. Uh, I seem to be alone on the catch-up uh, Popsicle Island. Uh, th- yeah, uh, uh, j- jump on the Twitter. Uh, let me know if you would also join me on the catch-up Popsicle side. At, uh, at the Keyhole Pod on Twitter, uh, find me at Peyton Glenn. Uh, Matt Burton is at I am Matt Burton. At I am Matt Burton. Burton. Yep, yep. And Alan Kinney at uh, Blatant Homerism. Uh, you can also find uh, Alan's writing on uh, Crimson and Cream Machine, a fantastic site. Uh, OU's uh, been around for a really, really long time, uh, kind of leading the charge in the OU blog stuff. Alan uh, writes for them weekly, question mark? Yes, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple times a week. 
semi-weekly. When the mood strikes him, <laughs> <laughs> he's there. He gets he gets the the the, the quill and it dips it into the ink and it uh, digitally uh, senses all his. <laughs> His wise sayings. Uh, and then also on with us uh, through the keyhole a weekly. Uh, again, join the Patreon for $4. You can listen to our uh, interview series. Uh, the most recent one we just had on was with um, Stephen Godfrey, right? Is that the most recent one? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, very I interesting so. conversation um, that, that I believe had uh, sparked some interesting stuff about LSU fans also hitting Lincoln Riley <laughs> to a very large degree. Yeah. Something I didn't even think about, but it, it is very interesting there. Um, and it also kind of highlights my mind, even though Stephen did seem um, sympathetic to the plight of the OU fan to a certain degree, he also seemed kind of hand wavy about just OU just in general, uh, in my opinion, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but again, uh, very receptive, very interesting listening to. Uh, we'll be starting our fan series pretty soon again. So if you're a, a, a subscriber to the Patreon, you can say, hey, I want to be interviewed and we'll talk about your OU fandom and stuff like that as well. Um, and then we're going to try to start doing a Q&A session with the founder. That's all I can say about the founder's name uh, due to legal protection uh, issues. But uh, join us there. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, we just mess around and, and try to bring a cool little site there. But um, I think I've covered everything. We've got Jello shots. We've got the catch up popsicles, Dime Town Retreat. Um, Matt, just join in at any point in time if you think I'm missing something. We've got the World Series. We've got the you're going to make me do this longer, it seems. Boomer! Uh, 